Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. My name is Scott Jennison. I'm the Acquisitions Manager here at Streamline Property Buyers. Um, always good to have a guest um, and a guest we've had on before. And welcome back, uh, Andrew Burke from Ray White Special Projects. Welcome. Scott Melinda, great to be here. Yes, Andrew was a bit surprised uh, when he arrived today and he said, oh, you actually video now. So apologies for the surprise, Andy, but um, look, you're in a business shirt anyway, so there's nothing to be embarrassed about. So it's not about what we look like, though. It's about the content that we share. And we're really excited that Andrew's going to join us. Um, If you have listened to previous episodes where Andy has, sorry, Andrew's been a guest Um, He works in the space of development sites here in Brisbane. So we're going to get a really good overview of what's been happening in that space in the environment where interest rates have been increasing. Of course, construction costs um, have escalated in the same period of time. So super excited to be getting a rundown of what's happening across Brisbane and the regions around Brisbane um, in terms of development. I know, Andrew, that people love um, our podcast when I talk about the weather, but it's so hot and muggy here in Brisbane at the moment. And I know when we're talking off air that you, you said you, you thought you might duck home and get some shorts and a T-shirt on and then got the shock when we said we're actually recording the... Oh, I'm uh... glad I left the business shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> you would have got away with the, sh- the shorts anyway. So Mate, we, we've known each other for, for a while. Um, we were, again, talking just before we um, we chatted and um you've been in this space similar to to us and things have changed a fair bit i think you would have probably seen over the time they have so but look i i think um the game we're in you know it ebbs and flows doesn't it but i think there's an underlying message here is that you know there's a couple of challenges in the market for a couple of things but Overall, it's a story about population growth. It's it's no more complicated than that. We're in southeast Queensland, and we do a bit of work regionally as well within Queensland. It's there's a story here. We're we're, we're not out in the badlands, and and this is going to be real hard to sell. Like mm. things are going to sell, whilst some submarkets have tightened a little bit. Overall, it's a very positive story. So, just for the people listening, the people tuning in as well. So, Andrew Burke is my name. And I work for a Ray White franchise based in the city in Brisbane, in Ray White's head office. We're called Ray White Special Projects. So the vast majority of what we do is selling residential development sites. So we sell sites to the developer and the developer will then build units. They might build townhouses or they might build land subdivision sites. But there's also other things we do. We sort of sites for childcare or um, even schools but predominantly residential development sites. And, and also we've sort of morphed into lately a fair bit of resi- what we call residential investments, meaning blocks of units mm-hmm. or NDIS providers or boarding houses. So that's that's what we do. And answer your question, things have changed. I've sort of been with these guys about nine years and I think we've sort of had two, two booms there. And I don't think I'd call selling development sites a bust in the last year or two, but it's 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 tight it tightened, and what we had was a lack of activity. Mm, okay, so that's what, that's what changed. So yeah, it's just the amount of transactions. So when people say, "Oh, the market's horrible," it's gee, we we've just been overly spoiled. Mm, we yeah. had abnormal growth, and it just sort of pared back a bit, and and people sort of took a deep breath. And um, they become a bit more cautious in their decisions. And, and 
values didn't plummet spectacularly at all in, in development sites. They certainly they certainly have come down a little bit, but overall, there's there's a lot of activity. And I um, look, I liken it to because I like cricket a lot. <laughs> I liken it to it's just the new ball. It's the second new ball. Yep. Right. Things are going well, and we've got a little bit of a hard patch to get through. Then we'll then we'll get going again. And we're already seeing signs of that within certain submarkets. If I was to ask you, Andrew, looking back over the last 12 to 18 months, what was the strongest performing market in all of those market segments that you're very active in? Mm-hmm. Um, how how would you answer that question? Easily, it would be the land subdivision market still holds enormous depth of buyers and, and, and strength, particularly a lot of interstate developers who see the story here. We're simply constrained by land. Mm. Um, and it's bizarrely Queensland, and I said last podcast, Queensland, South East Queensland is quite fragmented with its ownership, so it's not easy to put together uh, three or four owners to get uh, a large parcel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it has gone very well. We've sold a lot of land subdivision sites and they had a lot of interest. The difference would be in the last uh, 18 months is that there's always a difference between um, certainty and uncertainty with planning. But that's never been greater at the moment. Yep. So if something is a, is approved or zoned well and easily to convert into, we see a lot of interest. If something has a few challenges, you you have two buyers making an offer. So it would be probably um, sites that are very clear cut. It's still very strong. Sites that have challenges still get the same level of inquiry, but it doesn't translate into as many offers. Mm. Yeah, is that it used to? So that'd be the real change. I, I think we had a chat, might have been on our um, on our property panel um, that you were on a while ago, Andrew, and, and we were talking about these subdivisions. What about the construction things these days? Because I know back then you were talking about they couldn't get pipes, they couldn't get gravel, they couldn't get any materials to actually do the subdivisions. What's happening then? Yes, civil cost has gone up. Whichever I think probably all the public knows yep. how much construction cost has gone up. So in the subdivision space, that's all the earthworks and whatnot, that's all gone up. So the rule of thumb used to be about a hundred grand to develop a lot. Now it's about 130. Mm-hmm. So it's gone up a lot, but in comparison to how much construction cost has gone up to build built form, i.e. units and townhouses. It, it's still quite manageable. Yeah. Mm. And you've just got that much population growth coming that yeah. they've got it. And there's a lack of land here that, that um, one thing to keep in mind is they have this, this document the state government works with called the Southeast Queensland Regional Plan, mm-hmm. which is essentially saying these are the pockets we want to unlock and develop. Now, they, they ran the ruler over that again and had a real good look at it and it was a little bit underwhelming how much land was released because mm. there's land that's zoned and then there's land which has to be serviced. Mm. So, you have, so you're have so dealing with state governments and councils. It's all very well saying, here's your land, but if you can't service it with sewer and water, who's going to pay for that? So yeah. So I think those that supply area is, is keeping – that su- supply constraints is keeping the prices still up even with those. Uh, increases in construction. Andrew, with that greenfield land subdivision, uh, where is it throughout southeast Queensland that the majority of those lots are becoming available or the majority of those lots have transacted recently? Are there certain pockets yeah. that are releasing more of that yeah, developable well, land absolutely. than others? Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, just a, there's sort of always on the extremities of town, as you can imagine. So, the areas that are most being developed is that Logan corridor between Brisbane and Gold Coast and, and further west from there. 
Um, and then if you go, that'll be the main area. And the second area would be that that Western Corridor, sort of Ripley around Ipswich that way. Yeah. So they're, they're some of um, the least constrained because if you go to the other traditional areas uh, down at Redlands, down Bayside Way, I mean, you can only go so far east because you've got the water. That's right. And then yeah. there's a whole heap of uh, environmental factors, quite a lot of chicken, uh, sort of chicken, sort of chicken coops and chicken facilities down there, and they have areas around them you can't develop. So there's a few issues with that. And then the north, between Brisbane and the north coast, is there's not a lot left. Mm. Um, but the big one everyone's talking about in the future, not yet though, is this Caboolture West Corridor. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, for, for listeners, so between sort of in r- very rough terms, between Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast, between Brisbane and Caloundra about halfway, but go go sort of poke your nose in 15, 20 minutes west. Going mm. So that's that's identified as a as a key area, key area as Logan fills up and it can't all be about that western corridor. Mm, perfect. The other um, thing that I did want to ask is in relation to Brisbane City Council region, is there any land left in, in those pockets or is that now pretty much fully developed? Very hard to find some. Yeah. It would yeah. just be very problematic sites with vegetation constraints or good, something good to you've know. got a real fight on with the council to get through. I mean, things, things sell, we, you know, but generally there's no scale. There wouldn't you'd be hard-pressed in Brisbane City Council getting something more than a dozen lots. What about apartments? We've heard through um, a lot of data that comes through at a national level that building approvals are down for both units and freestanding dwellings um, and commencements are down. What are you finding in the local southeast Queensland market? Oh, it's a pretty clear story. Everyone's just talking about the same thing, construction costs, construction costs, construction costs. Cutting to the chase, it's not viable for these developers to purchase land to build units unless their end product is trading over 850000 So they're not going to buy a site unless they can guarantee that when they build this unit tower, their lowest price unit is over 850000 that's a significant price for some entry level yeah. buying. So mm. just it's simply, I mean, we've I've sort of taken sites to um, various developers and said, look, um, you know, there could be an opportunity here, and they've sort of showed me the fees and said, if you gave me that land for free, I can't make any money out of it. Wow. So you know, we'll have owners who will say, I've got these four houses here, and I've got this DA for this many units, and we'll say, that's great, but I reckon I'm an agent, I love a deal. <laughs> but I reckon you're better off going to the local agent who'll just sell you sell down those houses individually because you'll get more money. It's worth more as houses at the moment. That's fascinating. And I'm sure part of that is due to the increased holding costs, given that interest rates are higher, um, the cost of money is higher, so development finance becomes more expensive. But not only that, um, as you've pointed out, the actual development costs have increased at so many levels with the construction costs escalating as well. Does that mean that the supply of new apartments in Brisbane will be constrained for some period of time? Absolutely. So it's important to note, though, that the top end is still selling very well. So the people who can build those units and, you know, um, the two ones that easily spring to mind are Mosaic and Aria. Aria yeah. They build good products for high-end stuff and they sell very easily. So there's a demand there. So, look, I think there'll be a definitely be, and there already is, a, a constrained supply of units because 
the that next tier down I was talking about uh, eight fifty whatever it is and below it's just not happening you know if you look at and that sort of translates into a middle ring suburb mm, yeah. yeah so if you're if you're if you're looking at a middle ring suburb uh, in Brisbane that is just you're just not getting that revenue at the moment or you'll get there one day mm. but how long do you want to wait for you know there's other things to do with your money we've, we've often talked about apartments and townhouses obviously together yeah. when we when we talk data obviously yeah. they are together. Townhouses is something, and you've just you've just talked about. There's no land mm. in Brisbane. Um, townhouses haven't been being built for a while, um, and it's probably something that we're not going to see change too much. Yeah, look, there was an issue with the Brisbane City Council. Um, Those sort of quite rightly so got irritated when um, people were converting surplus land, a lovely big Queenslander block, yep. and, and chucking a couple of townies at the back. It sort of didn't look great for our fabric. But what they stopped doing. The law was too; it encompassed too much, and stopped these people who had three thousand square meter blocks of land, which was owned emerging community, which were you know you could punch out some townhouses in. So I think I think it's I think that needs to be revisited. Um, the good thing about townhouses too is they can be staged yep. if, mm. if there's construction issues. So I think the answer is somehow getting more townhouses in those middle markets, mm. Mm. and that that involves a whole host of issues in itself because it would require a change in some council planning schemes and some of the rules around what we're currently able to do, which um, is a process in yeah, itself. Yeah, and they'd have to be. I mean, you can sort of pretty much identify where they are because it's never going to happen in areas where you've got big colonial homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be in the, in the more sort of um, post, post-war post homes. That's right. I want to also talk about um, the current rental crisis that we're experiencing Australia-wide, but more specifically here in Brisbane, southeast Queensland. Vacancy rates at the moment sitting at 1.1%, rents significantly increasing month on month and year on year. And a lot of tenants are finding it tough. There's going to be affordability constraints, potentially a change in household formation. One of the suggested, um, I guess, um, Things that might that might change this issue that we're having is this build to rent space. One of the solutions—that's the word I was looking for. Um, is there anything happening in that build to rent space? And if so, what does that pipeline look like for Brisbane? Uh, look, I don't know the statistics, but it's certainly flavour of the month. Um, look, it's it's a sector that's on the rise. I personally. Am- Controversially, I'm a little bit just, I suppose, curious whether this is going to translate into into finished product because it appears to me, if if your local developer who's using their own money can't make it stack, why can why can only large funds do it? So to me, that would be maybe they're assessing. Maybe they're putting in differing escalation in their rents or what we'd call the terminal value in their in their cash flow. Or the other thing, look, maybe they do have their own building arm, maybe that's an advantage. But part of me can't help but think it's a lot of it's got to do with like a lot of these developers who have funds is funds under management. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll sacrifice any form of development profit to get the thing built, to get the funds under management to get the fee. Mm. To me, it just seems very peculiar how why only funds and, and overseas funds at that can make it work and, and your locals barely can. Mm. I, I don't understand it. But it's certainly, look, 
I hope it happens because it would it would take a lot of the heat. It would certainly help a lot of the poor people who need to get a need to get it sorted. Yeah. Need to get need to get some accommodation. But I, I I suppose I'm just I've just got a bit of an asterisk next to that one going. Just I just want to delve in a bit more rather than mm. just blindly follow the hype because I'm not sure it takes huge numbers off the street. And even if I guess the end rents are escalated or elevated to account for the costs in construction, then that in itself becomes an issue. You're not resolving the rental crisis for those that need rental accommodation the most, and that's the um, affordable rental market. Because yeah. if you're only targeting a premium, you know, tenant who's going to pay a premium rent, then it sort of defeats the purpose in some regards. Yeah, I think, of I why think, you're I doing think it. I've got it fairly mixed, though. I think they've got okay. not completely sort of lower income, but there's a middle to there's a middle run there as well. Perfect. But I just not sure it's going to take big numbers of those who need it off the books. Andrew, you've seen, and I know we've we've run into you a couple of times at a few uh, blocks of units. Yeah, I like it. Residential investments, the, the the blocks of units that that you do. I know you like them. Um, I know we've looked at a few uh, that you've had on the market. What's happening in that side of things at the moment? It's it's a sector that's in demand. Yeah. So, so what I'm talking about blocks of units. I'm talking about one ownership for an entire block of units. P- picture what we mostly sell is your traditional brick six pack. Yeah. Mm. So there's other ones too. I mean, there's there's what we'd call well, I say flats. It's maybe your timber homes converted or or something similar like that. One owner on 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 one block of land there. Now we sort of morphed into that, and we've ended up selling quite a few in recent times, like yep. a dozen the last year. What we noticed is a staggering amount of buyers. Mm. The reason for there's a couple of reasons for it. One, it's an asset class that everyone understands. Everyone understands. A house or a unit because that's where they live, right? Mm. Not everyone understands industrial or retail or healthcare assets like that. So everyone understands it. There's reliability of income. Now, this are, these are abnormal times trying to, you know, when you get a tenant, anyone can get a tenant, but in more normal times, if you can't get a tenant, you drop the rent by 10 bucks a week and you've got someone. Yep. Mm, it's not yep. like you go past your local strip shop and the, the sushi place moves out and they next and it's six months vacant. Six to 12 months vacant and then the, the tattoo parlor comes in and he wants another six months, he wants six months pre-rent and fit out. Mm. You know? So we're seeing a lot of those investors come over to this sector because it's safer. Yep. But there's two parts to it. They're getting rent escalation as an, as an, as an owner. But this is where it's different from your strip shop or, um, or other assets is that you're actually getting your rental escalation but you're actually getting capital appreciation. Mm. You're getting, as, as the house price growth around these suburbs goes up, you are getting the capital appreciation. So some of those, I, I think the people who do well is just get it and they buy a brick six pack. It's rock solid. Maybe it's a bit dated, but it's big. There's not a lot that can go wrong with it. And they put it in the bottom drawer for 10 years and forget about it. Or And they put it in the bottom drawer for 20 years, they knock it over and, I've got a development side. Yeah, yeah. So you've got development upside, but it's important to understand they will factor in that capital appreciation. Mm. So the one I sold around the corner from here last year, a year before, was at this is a Wilston blue chip suburb in Brisbane. It was, I think, the return, and he got the owner on, on the passing rent at the time. He probably was only getting a, gee, a 3% net return or something similar. But he would have had rent escalation and it's Wilston. So you guys would know better than anyone how much mm. how much something's gone up in 18, 12, 18 24 months in Wilston. Absolutely. So you get that cap. So you get rental appreciation, capital appreciation. And the flip side is that 
you can quite often when the building dies, the underlying zoning is we saw one at Al, up at Albion was also in a city, Brisbane, five Ks. I think he had a was a it was a six pack and they could develop up to I think three or four levels under the zoning and he's just like a DA probably getting five. And I reckon hell I think you probably get more in the fu in the future because mm. people will go, there's amenity, there's transport, where's everyone gonna live? So yeah. I think they're a good asset class to get into, but you, you've got to cop some low returns for a little while. Can I just ask to help our listeners understand the uh, buying entry value that they would need to to purchase an asset like that? What sort of dollars are we looking at for a four-pack or a six-pack in some of these blue chip or middle ring locations that you are referring to? The vast majority of them are one and a half to three million. Yeah. And, 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 all, and most of them about two million, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so a $2 million investment for a approximately 3% net return. Oh, you probably get a bit more. Wilson's a bit, a bit special, but yeah, you probably get a bit more, yeah. And keep in mind, if we're looking just at the last 12 months, the median growth in the unit market in rents um, was around 16%, like really strong growth year on year. So if you're looking at the appreciation in the income that you're going to generate from that property because of the current um, you know, lack of supply of rental properties, you've got that upside. And you rightly pointed out as well, if we're looking at capital growth um, across Brisbane, well-located land has certainly escalated in value over the last nine months as well. So definitely a, an asset class for those with a higher budget um, that potentially are willing to take on a little more risk. Um, but at the end of the day, if it's a blue chip location and you're able to secure quality uh, tenants, it's uh, probably less risk than most people think. The, the other thing you do find, Andrew, as well as those type of buildings, um, they were generally built pretty solid. Oh, um, you know, and there's not a lot that can go wrong with them. Um, specials. I was <laughs> speaking of which, I was, I was at a set of units this morning um, for a client of ours. Um, it was definitely built um, by the Italian builders, and it, it was like a bomb shelter. You know, yeah. it was just concrete slabs. It was brickwork. We, we've actually had the old Italian um, builders that come out for a look because they all own. It's hard for us as agents because they never sell them. Right? Yep. They <laughs> kids. And uh, we've had like about come out and go. I built this one. I built that one. <laughs> a lot of Brisbane um, rock solid investments, but it's hard to get hold of them. So uh, that's why a business like ours exists. If you need help with um, acquiring some of these great assets, reach out to our team at Streamline Property Buyers. So looking at um, predictions, what do you think's likely to happen? Um, you know, if we look forward in the next 12 months in, in your part of the market, Andrew, what are you expecting? Well, without saying like a politician, I can't give a straight answer because I, I think everyone groups the markets too easily. Mm. I just think it's a market by market. Everyone's like, what's the market doing? That's like, um, what what market? Mm. Which so segment? I can give you like a... Half a sentence answer on each one if you want. Absolutely. Let's go. Land sub-markets, so people who are building land subdivision sites, that will keep just red hot. It'll just keep going and going. Units and townhouses, there'll be more activity there this year. It's As we discussed this time, it's the construction cost issue. Um, it, it simply has to stack up to build units or a townhouse to make it work. But look... People can't wait forever. So potentially it could be a few forced sales. If yeah. someone's bought prior to the construction cost boom, so if someone's bought some land based on a feasibility on this <laughs> revenue and this, but this construction cost, it, it won't stack. They've been they've been sort of treading water for 18 months. They might have to sell. So mm. 
I think in that market there'll be a few sales. Yep. And the high-end market for that stuff will continue to go gangbusters if you can get some sites. Um, and then what else we've got? If the, the box of units, that will continue to, to keep going well. And then, you know, the other sort of sites we sell, like childcare, like, yeah, that, they're, all, they're all fairly strong, although they've taken a hit because a lot of those sites are based on selling us a, a, a investment at the end based on a yield and those interest rates have gone up. So, look, I, overall, it is strong in land, bit patchy in units and townhouses, and other odds and ends probably go okay. So I think it's less patchy than last year, but it's it's building momentum. And we, we've come back and it's just like there's a, there's a bit on. Are you finding that a lot of the developers that are acquiring sites specifically for units and townhouses, they're, they're having to land bank or purchase and hold those properties before they come become feasible to actually develop or are they are they purchasing and getting in and, and developing straight away? Yeah, I think the, the land banking is a bit of an old school thing. It, mm. it just doesn't happen anymore. It's just not only interest rates have risen, making it worse, but even when interest rates were low, people, there's just a lot of competing uses for capital, you know. Not not many not many people have lazy capital like that. They've they need to get in straight away and and, and go. Mm. What they'll try and do is um Try and buy it with a long-term settlement, you know, like yeah, yeah, nine, twelve months, and then so they put down a contract, or it's unconditional, and then they start working through the DA. Or what they even do is, out, a lot of our contracts can be conditional contracts. So yep. we're selling a site, and they'll put initial due diligence, and then it might be subject to DA, subject to development approval. So, you know, we'll try and safeguard the owner's interest so we get some money for them as the process goes along, so they can't just. They can't just put it under contract and when they've got the DA, they say, don't want it now or give the owner a, a reduction in price. We'll try and safeguard the owner's interest. But, yeah, that, that's that, that's what that's what they're doing. It's, it's subject to DA. But you, you've got to watch it. That's pretty scary for an owner. Mm -hmm. I will also ask, and it's something that you touched on a little earlier and I didn't um, ask the question at that time, but landowners who, you know, get together and uh, – create or, or or go ahead and uh, put a DA on the site. So mm. they submit that application to council thinking that's going to elevate or increase the value of their site. So you might have four yeah. landowners that each own a house um, and be just because the land has the capacity to be developed, they go ahead, you know, and combine resources to get the development approval in place to then put it on the market. I guess that's when you get the call up and you put it out to developers, but it's just not feasible. What advice have you got to people that think that's going to add value to their site? Double check. Just because your town planner, or more importantly, your architect thinks you can do this, you know, just check it's actually profitable. Mm, yes. Because architects can get carried away and we can do this and we can do that. And I think everyone, and look, Australians have a very unusually high interest in property mm. and everyone is a little hero property expert. So if you can say, I had my house and I pulled together my neighbours and I've got this DA, it does make you sound like quite the hero at the barbecue. It does. But you do just double check you're actually making money on it. Yeah. Like that... What's the highest and best use? What's the highest and best use has always got to be the question. Mm. So before you charge off and get more intense use, more dwelling, more things on your block of land, 
before you spend that money, actually double check, is it worthwhile to do so? Mm, yeah. And getting professional advice in that regard, not just assuming that you have the knowledge yeah, to be able to make absolutely. that assessment. And the other key point too is if you're going to work with adjacent owners, that's a really set your rules in place very early Mm, because someone will say, well, my land's higher or my land's got the pool or, yeah, sort that out because when the developer buying it, if he's spending, say, $2 million, he doesn't care if it's $1 million here and $1 million for that contract. Mm, Yeah. But but someone will be saying, I want $1.2, the other person should be getting eight. You know, so that's something you've got to sort out as well. Yeah, that's good advice. So if you are looking to um, create some upside and talking to your neighbours to amalgamate sites in hope that you have a site that is worth more as a development site. That's really good advice. Talk to your neighbours, set that uh, plan in place first and get some professional advice in that regard on value before you actually add any extra development approvals. A lot of those sites... Oh, profitable. <laughs> they can be, yeah. But a lot of them are. That's right, yeah. yeah. No, it's good advice and, you know, I think the message here is understand what opportunity you are providing to the market and determine whether the market wants what you've got to offer before you go spending a lot of money. Yeah. Do you, do you see much change, Andrew, in the because obviously the rental crisis that we've got at the moment, yeah. do you see much change happening in that in, in the social housing and that sort of area? There's a, there's a lot of money being thrown at that at the moment. You yeah. can tell a lot of those or, or go, direct government organisations and indirect government organisations being funded, mm-hmm. they are um, they have a lot of money that we're getting. We're speaking to a lot of them saying, I've got this this grant's definitely going to come through, or this is coming, what have you got? So that's something that's quite interesting, actually, because I, I think they'll have a different sort of mandate than your traditional developers. So maybe the sites, it's interesting for sellers sites that may not work for a traditional developer, um, the social housing model could work because yep. uh, I don't know if there's maybe less parking requirements or they're getting a they're getting a boost in funding. There's different things where they might make, be able to make a, a property stack where others wouldn't. An example would be, I mean, these sorts of places aren't going in blue chip locations or if they are, they're, they're sort of in secondary locations there where they'd be on a main road or something. So... Yep. Where the, so the end value is going to come down for a traditional value because you're on a main road or a secondary location in general. But that's sort of what they want. Mm, yeah. And look, I think it's important to note that that's a slow process because with, with social housing, you, the way the system works is they don't want big clusters. They don't want big areas of it because that ruins everyone's value around them. Mm, yes. And traditionally, these people don't like more than 8, 20 units in one spot. Mm. So 8 to 20 units, that, that that's not taking too many people off the street. That's a long haul. Yep. So it'll be useful, but I, I, I don't think, I think we've just got a few more years of that pain to go, but I, I think it makes more sense doing it that way than having a whole heap of, major centres, which brings out a lot of social problems. Yeah. Mm. I think that there's been some gold that you've shared today. And for those that um, haven't written down some of the things that I've picked up, here's a, a couple of recaps that I'm just going to run through. The first thing is that um, replacement cost or the cost to build brand new units entry level in Brisbane at the moment is sitting around that $850,000 mark. So um, opportunity for purchasing under replacement cost. If you're looking at units in the established market, it's there. So you're actually buying under replacement cost if you're buying in the right 
location. Um, that's just a little tip number one that I've extracted from, from something that you've said. Um, I will say though, as an extension to that, not all units are created equal and it's still about identifying um, the locations where the fundamentals are there in terms of the, the supply and demand metrics. Um, we do know that there's more units that have been approved, but they're sitting dormant because they're not yet feasible in time. They will become feasible. They will be developed. So investment fundamentals, it's just a um, a little snip that I picked up and I thought I would uh, share once again for those that may not have actually read into those numbers. I, I completely agree. It's, it's, I mean, we sell these blocks of units, but if someone wants to buy an individual unit, it's not our bag, they should be talking to you. I, I would, I really believe that. And I would be buying a secondhand unit be my tip. And because I don't think this construction cost crisis for, and the supply of units is changing quickly. It, it can't. There's too much going on in southeast Queensland for the construction cost to drop. It, it will stay the same. So the only way this will change is if the house prices go up enough that these revenues on the units go up enough. Mm. Start buying units. I reckon chat to you guys and buy. Let's not get all of the secrets out there, Andrew. The purpose of the podcast is not to share all our yeah. secrets. But look, some ordinary units too, so <laughs> need to know which ones to get out of You know, you're absolutely right there. But, um, you know, Scott and I started to talk about the unit market two years ago on this podcast in January 20. 22 we're now 2024 in that time we've seen huge price escalation yeah. um even in the last 12 months we've seen 11.1 percent across greater brisbane in terms of unit price growth that was only just behind house price growth so not only are you getting this huge uplift in terms of rental price increases um you're also getting capital appreciation but you are right. You've identified it's not every unit is the same and it's really important that you're getting some strategic advice around where and what to buy if you are going to investigate that part of the market. But um, when I look at replacement cost values that you've shared today, um, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go back and say we told you so about the units either. <laughs> but, mate, just, just a quick summary. Um, look, I know that the listeners hear us talk about um, Brisbane. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Going forward, um, and, and I know, again, we we do talk about this all the time. People are probably sick of us saying it, but it's going to happen. We've got the 2032 Olympics happening. What do you see happening in Brisbane? Yeah, what's important to understand is what the Olympics is, does is guaranteed spend on infrastructure. Mm. Yeah, that's what, I think, you know, like owners always want to say, say we've got the Olympics to interstate people. That, that just sort of sounds like a bit of a con, and it sounds like, well, what's 10 days do to your market? But you have guaranteed infrastructure spend which is jobs and and a whole heap of other things that that fly through the economy. Yeah. So I think it's the most unbelievable positive story. And if I'm selling development sites, I'd only want to be in Brisbane. And if things are, things are actually pretty good at the moment, but there's a couple of sort of, there's a couple of little issues in, in various sub-markets. If I was a buyer, get in now before it's all hunky-dory yeah. again. Mm. Get going. So what do this you think? It's perfect time to go. Interest yeah. rates likely to come down 2024. Perhaps that's the stimulus that, um, you know, some people are waiting for. And we've learned from past experience, if you wait until the masses are, you know, in the market, then you're just going to be competing with more and more. And, and prices obviously continue to escalate in that time as well. Population's increasing and the land is constrained. Mm. It's a supply issue and demand is still coming and coming and won't stop. Get in there now. Like we... You know, I'm not selling development sites out at uh, Quilpie here, 
mm. where there's masses and masses yeah. of land. No offence to any listeners at Coolby, but it is, it's only going to go one way. And the fact it's a bit unsteady now is a great thing for you. Mm. Well, I think that's pretty much summed up yeah. um, you know, what's happening in that development space and what's happening in Southeast Queensland as a whole when we take a broad snapshot view of that supply and demand imbalance. And it's something we talk often about on this podcast, um, we might talk about listing volumes as immediate supply, but of course, long-term supply, it, it's relative to what is being built, what's being constructed, what's being supplied to the market in terms of those new builds. Um, and from what you're saying, it's it's really tight in that market as well. So yeah. we're going to need to see some real shifts before there's balance again. And we know that um, whilst we've got that imbalance and demand is exceeding supply, we will continue to get price growth. Um, but thanks very much for coming in. Um, it's been it's always great to chat. Um, we should do it more often. Um, for people obviously in that special project sort of section, getting in touch with you guys, what's the easiest way to get in touch with with uh, you, Andrew? Yeah, just uh, shoot, shoot us an email. Shoot us an email. So andrew.burke at raywhite.com. Yep. We'll put and, that in the show notes as well. Yep. And we'll just give you an honest appraisal from development site sale and residential investment experts. And we're in this for the long haul, so we won't burn relationships. We, owners have come to us and said, what do you think? And we'll say, if it was me, you got a great property, put it, keep it in your bottom drawer for another two years. So if it's not the time to sell now, we'll just tell you the truth. Mm. Yeah. Very good advice. Perfect. Thanks, mate. Thanks again great for fun. coming in. Really appreciate it. Um, and I'm sure our listeners uh, appreciate the insights that you have from, from your side of things. Uh, as usual, uh, I will let Melinda wrap it up um, for this week. It's been great talking. Thanks very much for listening from me. Bye for now. Yes, thank you so much once again to all our listeners for tuning into the Brisbane Property Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share with friends and family. We would love for you to leave us a review. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. We hope you have a fabulous week and we will look forward to speaking with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.